Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome back to the Defiant Spirit. I'm Baruch Levy, also known as B, and I want to talk to you today about some Viktor Frankl, some logotherapy. I'm a logotherapist, meaning-centered, not just therapy, though it is. It's deepest level therapy. It comes from the Greek therapia, which means healing. So it's healing our lives through logos, through through truth, through purpose, or as Frankel oftentimes calls it, through meaning and living a meaning-centered life. You know, logotherapy isn't just when we're broken. In fact, it's one of the beautiful things about logotherapy and why I'm so attracted to it is because it's not focused on illness, on brokenness, on the what's wrong. It's focused on what's right, what's whole. And Frankel talks a lot about um, you know, our, our bodies break. I mean, it's just the way it is. They're finite. They're mortal. They come undone. They go back to the ground. Our psyche, which by what psyche, what he meant was literally the, um, the emotional realm, right? This inner realm that's not body, but also it's not spirit. It's somewhere in between there. Our mind and our emotions, our, our psychological you know, makeup, that becomes ill. We become sick. We psychologically, mentally, we can become ill. Everything about us breaks and falls apart and disintegrates and returns to the earth and so forth. However, that's not who you are. You are something deeper. You are something transcendent. There is a piece of you, the true you, as I call it, that is beyond brokenness, that cannot become ill. Frankel talks a lot about it. He calls it the the noetic, another Greek term that it just means, um, well, let's call it spirit. Let's call it soul. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's just that piece of you that was, is, and will be. One of my favorite moments from the Hebrew Bible is when Moses says to God, what's your name? What do I call you? I got to tell these people, the Israelites, right? And what is God's response? What is God going to say? You know, like Bob, Joe, Jane, Jerry, like, what, what, what do you expect? A name? No. God says the only thing God could say about infinite. You can't make the infinite finite. So how do you keep the infinite infinite? By the response, which is oftentimes translated as I am, and it can be, but it really is I will be, I am becoming, I am a verb, I am without beginning, middle, and end, or it's also an anagram of I was, I am, I will be. But whatever it is, it's transcendent. And so are you and I, parts of us, pieces of us, the nuos, the spirit. And it's that place we have to get to, to go to, to when, when we are facing... Um, 
what I call life's tease, transitions, tests, trials, traumas, tragedies. That's where we go to draw our strength, to draw our power, to transcend the circumstances. That's, that's logotherapy in a nutshell, to tap into that place, to that space, to that spirit, to transcend whatever circumstances life's presenting to you, even death. We can defy death. How? By tapping into that place and not allowing death to take our power, knowing that our true power resides in a place that no one and nothing can touch, not even death, nothing outside of us. So, um, so this is the journey of life. And I just read a book. I want to talk about this book that is based on Viktor Frankl. Um, lots and lots of books are based on Viktor Frankl, not just his books, but lots of people have taken it. And if you're looking online, then you can see I'm holding up a book. And if you can't, I'm just going to tell you everything you need to know. It's called Hero on a Mission by Donald Miller. Donald Miller is a pretty well-known author. This is a really well-written um, book. And he says over and over again, many influences like we all do, but his Major influence was um, Viktor Frankl to write this book, I think, in life, but also to write this book. So thank you, Donald, for bringing Dr. Frankl's message of the defiant power of the human spirit to life. And he does it in a specific way. He's not a logotherapist. He's not, um, I don't think he's all that versed in um, logotherapy. He references it a few times, but that's not really his shtick. It's to take this idea of the defiant power of the human spirit and to see it through the lens of the hero's journey. Obviously, Donald Miller didn't make up the hero's journey. Nobody made up the hero's journey. It's a thing. It's a, it's been around since the beginning of time. If you look at ancient writings, they're built around the hero's journey. If you look at all cinema, good cinema or books, novels, it's built around the hero's journey. And the hero's journey is something that we all make because what he talks about in here and what I want to share with you and why this book is so great is because it reminds us that you don't have to go watch Star Wars or whatever the latest film is or read the latest, greatest book to experience the hero's journey. All you got to do is wake up in the morning and you are on your hero's journey. And all hero's journeys go through similar stages. I'm not getting into the hero's journey today. It's been made famous by Joseph Campbell and many others, and you can just Google it and find some great things on the hero's journey. It's really interesting. But why I'm talking about this is because he reminds us what Frankel and logotherapy remind us that we have a choice on this journey. We don't have a choice about the stages. They are what they are. We don't have a choice about the circumstances. They are beyond our control. All circumstances, by the way, are beyond our control. You don't control anything outside of you. You can prepare for it. You can, you know, um, think about it. You can plan for it. But at the end of the day, anything and everything outside of you is beyond, by definition, beyond your control. But you have agency. And that's one of the big things in this book. You have the power to choose your response. As Frankel said, either we're living in reaction, unconscious, or on autopilot, or victims of our circumstances, right? They decide how we are going to behave, how we are going to think, how we are going to feel. We are not 
choosing, if we are in reaction. However, we can take back our power to choose our response. So Donald Miller talks a lot about that and how it's not a linear journey, right? You don't make the choice, become responsible, or as Frankel says, response-able, able to choose your response, and it's a one and done, and now I live in response. No, it is a constant journey over our lifetime, over our daytime. In the course of a day, we probably play all the parts that um, Donald Miller gets into because he, what he says ultimately is that there are only four parts to play. There are on the hero's journey and we play all of them. You know, if you watch Star Wars, you see them all played out in different characters, but that's fiction. And in nonfiction, in our lives, we play out all parts. So what are the four parts? And that's why this book is really so great is because it's just succinct. It's straightforward. And it's kind of this through thread, this common thread throughout the book. And so I, I really like books that just carry us through with this very simple to remember and useful idea built, again, entirely on a very sophisticated framework of logotherapy. But there are four parts. What are the four parts? You're either a victim, you're a villain, you're the hero, or you transcend all of that and you become the guide. So you look at, um, you look at, let's say Star Wars, because I referenced that in the movie. There's many of each of those, but let's just take the obvious victim or an obvious victim. If you watch in there, well, I don't know if there's an obvious victim in there, but certainly Luke Skywalker is a victim when we meet him at the beginning. His circumstances um, dictate if he's going to be able to go off into the world and become the Jedi that he wants to but he feels powerless and his circumstances are beyond his control and he's a lot of whining in the young Luke days. Um, but another victim is, how about C-3PO? I mean, like, he's just this neurotic-y, everything happens to him and he's constantly in reaction mode. Um, so there's lots of victim in that, lots of victims. But then you have um, villains, lots of villains. Like, But the quintessential one, the obvious one is Darth Vader, right? Bad, who has allowed his circumstances to turn him into the opposite of a victim. Obviously, a victim, things happen to him or her and they react. Well, a villain is no different. They're still in reaction. They're just doing things, but they're not choosing their response. So if you look at Darth Vader as an example, um, he had horrible circumstances and, and we find out later in the backstory, all kinds of, uh, you know, hurts and betrayals. And he allows that to harden him and to turn him into a villain. But the same, at the end of the day, victim and villain is just the opposite ends of a spectrum. But they're both victims, right? They're both in reaction. So that's what I meant. They're both in reaction. They're neither one of them is controlling their destiny. So you know, people think when they're in that villain mode, they're actually, well, you know, they're bad, but at least they're in control, but they're not in control. They're not choosing their response. I use the example all the time, but I once remember being cut off in traffic and I was just out of control and I flipped the person off next to me and then I find out I, I know that person. It was like horrifying. And I just remember feeling like I'm just a villain here. It's not different than a victim, just different energy. It's more of an output. Victim is more of an input, but they're both um, reacting to circumstances and just going about it in a fearful way. And that's really what victim and villain have in common. They're both afraid. 
in the Enneagram language, Enneagram 6 is really the quintessential victim. They can also be incredibly heroic. I think they're the hero too, but they got to work through it. So on one extreme of the Enneagram 6, the loyalist is this poor me, this victim, this fearful um, reaction to the world. But then the other extreme of a 6, so that's the phobic 6, the counterphobic 6 looks like a tough guy, a tough gal. They look fierce and but they're just angry and like a Putin type is probably a counterphobic six but you also have like Mel Gibson and lots of the tough guy movie cinema stuff but they're really just villains um, they're just victims that are taking their fear and they're dumping it on other people so they're not in control they're not response responsive they're simply victims of a different sort and victims and villains live constantly determining who they are based on what's happening to them. And that gets us into the hero. The hero doesn't live in reaction. She is the person who takes back her power, places her center of control, not out there, but inside of her. Um, Donald Miller talks a lot about it in this book. I'm trying to remember what he calls it. It was very succinct the way he said it, but it was um, agency, right? He accepts, she accepts their agency and so puts the focus, their focal point on themselves, not on other people and not on other things and not on circumstances. And that's really the definition of what it means to be a hero. A hero isn't somebody who is fearless, like running into a burning building to save children. It may be heroic, but at some level, it's also just being a human, doing the right thing. Maybe it's even an automatic response. It might not even be chosen. I mean, you hear lots of acts of heroism that I would argue aren't exactly heroism, at least not by this standard, if what we mean by heroism is to make a conscious choice to not um, live in reaction, but to live in response, to choose our response. And that can be a very different thing than just running headlong into a burning building. Um, so agency, which is the thesis of logotherapy. He even says it. it's the thesis of Viktor Frankl. It's why Man's Search for Meaning is so powerful because you read in the most horrific of circumstances, the darkest of days, and yet this is a man who doesn't allow his circumstances to dictate his response. Now, he lost everything. Frankl lost everything. He didn't lose it. It was taken from him. His, his wife, his unborn child, his parents, his his brother, his family, his friends, his profession, his manuscript, his, his, his hair off of his body. His, as he says, he was reduced to his naked existence. And yet he said that this is the last of human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way, that is agency that is power, and that is what it means to be a hero. To write your own story, which is what Donald Miller does a great job of doing, of framing it around the hero's journey, which is a story. And it's not a story that's happening to you, because if it is, you're a victim or you're a villain. It's a story of your own creation, of your own design, 
a story where you are the author. And that's the power of this book, of this idea, the hero's journey, and of the message of Viktor Frankl and logotherapy, that nobody gets to write your story for you. Only you can author it. And so when you realize that, you realize you get to decide how this thing turns out. I can't tell you if, um, you know, you'll get married again or you'll get married for the first time or, you know, who you'll lose or when you'll lose them or if you'll make it in showbiz or whatever it is you set your heart upon and you set out to do. That I can't tell you and you can't tell you. All you can do is write constantly your story of your response to whatever the circumstances may be. And you'll say to me, B, but how do I respond if I end up like Tuesdays with Maury where he goes down this path of ALS? And this is fresh on my mind because I was just counseling somebody who's facing ALS. They're in the very, very early stages. But they were treating it understandably. No judgment like a death sentence. And the truth of the matter is we all have a death sentence. Ain't none of us getting out of this alive. Now, I don't want to diminish the difference between what they're facing and what I'm facing because God willing, my death sentence has another 20 to 40 years to play out. Probably not, but I hope it does. Their death sentence is certainly much more imminent, but either, Frankel says, either life is meaningful or it's meaningless. It's not meaningful because of the quantity of time. So you can't say, well, my life is meaningful because I have another 20 years, but theirs isn't because they only have another 20 days. It is either or it is not meaningful. And I believe it is meaningful. They believe it is meaningful. So our conversation was, okay, well, what's yours to own? How do you author the next 20 days or 20 months or whatever long it is, how do you author it? And we talked about, you can't change. I mean, you can do what you can within your health and eating well and exercising and doing mental exercises. At the end of the day, that is only buying time for any of us, for all of us. As Dennis Prager used to say on his radio show, uh, public service announcement, this just in from the government, Research says no matter how much you jog, no matter how much tofu you'll eat, you'll still die. And people in California where it was broadcast probably were um, taken aback because they just thought if they jog forever, they'll live forever. You'll still die. This person with ALS is still going to die. But what do they have the power to do? To utilize this time to write those letters that they won't be able to write. To say those words that they may not be able to even speak. And when that come time comes and their body starts to shut down and their mind is still active, to have a game plan. To go into the silence um, with mantras and meditations and and conviction, and we've been working a lot on their why, right? As Frankel says, quoting Nietzsche, she who has a why can endure anyhow. And so we're literally articulating their why because I've shared with them that I say my why two to three times a day as my mantra, as my prayer. And I will say this if I, God forbid, end up with ALS and I can't speak and I have to lie there 24-7, I will be just repeating my mantra until the day that my body finally gives out and my soul ascends. And that's at least what I think I'll do. Who knows when life tests you. But the bottom line is 
taking back your power to decide what's yours in any given set of circumstances. It's not just in good circumstances. It's not just in bearable circumstances. It's also in the unbearable circumstances where our body can't bear it and our mind may not be able to bear it, but our soul, the nuos within us is always whole, always invincible. And that's the place we have to tap into the defiant power of the human spirit. And that's the work of the hero's journey. So if you want to read a great book on it, um, Donald Miller talks you know, just in very layman's terms about how to do that in very pragmatic, practical ways. And then the last piece, because usually we end there. The hero's journey, the pinnacle, it's not the pinnacle. This is where Maslow, Abraham Maslow and Viktor Frankl parted ways. Because Abraham Maslow's, you know, that hierarchy of needs, what's the top need? I've talked about it many times. Self-actualization a great place to get to, to become the hero of your story, to choose your response, not be the victim and not be the villain, but it's not the pinnacle. It's not the end. And according to this, um, this great book, and according to Frankel, it is, there's one more step along the way. And what Donald Miller calls it is, in every movie, in every story, the next level up, where the hero becomes the the guide, or the, you can call it the mentor, the master, whatever it might be, Yoda in Star Wars, right? Or Obi-Wan Kenobi, they become the guide. And what does the guide do? Helps other people become the hero. And that's the pinnacle of the journey, to go to that place, to that space where you are now empowering others to become heroes. And that in logotherapy is called self-transcendence, to go beyond yourself, to give back, to teach, and to inspire others to live their hero's journey, to write their own story, to choose their own way. And that's the place we should all be aspiring to in this lifetime. And we can get there if we do this work of no longer living like the victim, and rejecting the villain and standing guard against that in ourselves and going into that place of heroism, of true heroism, of becoming conscious, responsible, response, able, able to choose our response and living our life from that place. You get to a point in time when you just want to, you need to, and you have to give back, to transcend yourself, ironically, to get to the highest version of yourself. And that is what it means to become a guide. And so the hero on a mission, unbelievably great um, layman sort of narrative terms of logotherapy, very readable, um, different than Frankel's work. Even his most popular work, Man's Search for Meaning, is not an easy read. Uh, and that's one of the challenges, I think, with Frankel is that it hasn't been translated enough into everyday language, into practical, tangible systems. And um, this this does just that. And, and there's more and more happening around logotherapy and Frankel every day to do what Donald Miller has, has done so masterfully. So I encourage you to read this book, um, but most of all to live these principles, whether or not you read the book, not as important as you defy your victim, you defy the villain, you take back your power to choose your response as a hero, and then you eventually learn how to give back to become a mentor, to become a guide. If you'd like to learn more about 
all things Viktor Frankl and the forthcoming Meaning Academy, the Viktor Frankl Meaning Academy that I am now embarking upon with my good friend and logo master, um, Dan Franz, Dr. Dan, and then um, another friend of mine who is also a logo master, and that is uh, Dr. Elise Cortez. And the three of us are right now putting together the Viktor Frankl Meaning Academy to do things like what Donald Millard has done so beautifully and to create elegant, um, practical, impactful, inspirational systems to experience these principles in our lives, in your life. So stay tuned, jump over to defiantspirit.org and until the next time we speak, defy your number and live your powerful defiant spirit. See you or talk to you in the next video or podcast. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your fine spirit.